Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. Today on Drawing Near, we finish looking at the various phrases of the first four verses of Hebrews. So let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1 and study Jesus Cleanses. And as we prepare for today's study, let's pray together. And Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. I thank you for this day that you've given us to live and to bring glory and honor to your name, to walk according to your truths, to be led by your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to be witnesses to the gospel message of Jesus Christ through all that we do and all that we say. Father, we want people to be drawn to you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we are your light in the world, and we pray, Lord, that we can draw attention to you through our everyday actions. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who provides our salvation, who cleanses us from our sins. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Once again, let's read Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. As we have seen previously, God has spoken through Jesus Christ. He has appointed Jesus heir of all things, and through Jesus, God the Father has made the worlds. We learn that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of God's person. In today's study, we'll finish these first four verses. We're told in the very next phrase, the last part of verse 3, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Not only is Jesus God's agent in creation, and he is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, Jesus upholds everything by the word of his power. And God sent Jesus into the world to speak, to declare God, to reveal God. And in doing so, we see the grace, mercy, and love of God, even the justice of God in Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ purges our sins, it's a reference to the cross. It's a reference to his becoming the Lamb of God, which we will see throughout this letter to the Hebrew people. He comes into the world, and he's the perfect Lamb of God without spot or blemish, and he humbles himself and becomes obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He threw himself by means of himself through his sinless life, dies on the cross, and makes atonement for our sins. Now, his death on the cross is sufficient to atone for the sins of the whole world, but he doesn't atone or purge the sins of the whole world, only those who put faith in Jesus Christ. We need to understand that distinction. Jesus doesn't provide universal salvation. He provides salvation to those who respond to God's gospel message by faith. 
And so Jesus in himself not only reveals God and is God's agent in creation, Jesus himself is God's Savior. He's God's means of reconciliation between himself and the world. He offers his Son as a sacrifice, according to Isaiah chapter 53. After he had done this, Hebrews tells us here that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We will learn that Jesus sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he makes intercession for the saints. He pleads our cause, and he does this in part because he is familiar with temptation. He is familiar with human frailty. He is able, because he was tempted by sin, yet he did not give in to sin, he is able to plead our cause before God. And God here is referred to as the majesty on high. I don't know that we often think of that. And it's one thing to say God is king, but to think of God as his majesty or the majesty on high. He is king of all. He is universal king, universal God. He's not just king of Christians and Jewish people. He's not just the majesty of some select group who choose to elevate him to the throne. God is king. He is king by virtue of his own identity, person, and power. And he's king on high. He's the majesty on high. And then in verse 4, we're told this about Jesus. Having become so much better than the angels. Not too far into this chapter, we're going to hear that Jesus became a little lower than the angels. When he humbled himself and became a man like us, he became a little lower than the angels. But he has become so much better than the angels. Philippians chapter 2 says that because of what Jesus does in his death, burial, and resurrection, that God has given him a name which is above every name. Jesus, having been God and remained God but became man, dies on the cross fulfilling God's will and gaining victory over sin, death, the grave, and Satan. He has become so much better than the angels. Now, this is a sphere of existence, the heavenly realms, the spiritual realms, that we're not that familiar with. We are material. These things are spiritual. But in this heavenly realm, Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, does so because he has become so much better than the angels. And he has, by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. Quite honestly, I'm not sure how to communicate this. We know what an inheritance is. Is this a reference to Jesus being the Son of God? Is this a reference to Jesus having died on the cross and resurrected and achieved victory, that his inheritance, because of what he has done, is a more excellent name than theirs, a position in heaven, an elevated status? We know in Revelation chapter 5, when Jesus, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, takes the scroll from the right hand of the Father, that worship breaks out in heaven, and Jesus is acknowledged as God, and Jesus is acknowledged for doing all that he has done, so much more than any angel can do, because Jesus is God incarnate on the earth, who dies for our sins, resurrects from the dead, ascends into heaven, and sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He by himself purged our sins. He didn't have the help of anyone else. He did it. He who is God, he who is the brightness of God's glory, the express image of God's person, 
He through whom God has spoken. He through whom God has made the worlds. He did this himself, becoming so much better than the angels, and has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. What an amazing group of phrases to think through. In this passage, in these first four verses, there are two primary things. The first is God and what he does, and the one through whom he does it. We're told that God has spoken in these last days by his Son. God has appointed Jesus heir of all things. God through Jesus has made the world. God through Jesus has expressed his glory in his person. God through Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. God through Jesus has purged our sins. And God has elevated Jesus to the right hand of the majesty on high and given him a name which is above every name. God has done that. What's the second part? Well, obviously, it's what Jesus has done, but it's what Jesus has done because of what God asked him or enabled him to do. It's an amazing thing. When we talk of Jesus as being our Savior, we need to know that God is our Savior. When we talk about Jesus being God, we need to understand that the Jesus we know reveals God because God wanted him to. God the Father wanted him to. We need to know that Jesus reveals God's glory and brightness is the express image of his person because God wants us to know him. There's a relationship between God's work and Jesus's work that one is credited for the same thing as the other. But yet there's a submissive relationship here. Jesus responds to God's authority. And yet we're told in the Bible that God has given all authority to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus has done everything God sent him to do, he will return all authority to the Father. This is a picture of God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit doing his work in the world. We do not need to be Father-focused or just Son-focused. We need to be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit focused. And we need to try to understand what part each of these take in what God is doing in the world. And then we need to worship accordingly. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. Father, I hope I didn't confuse things as I tried to clarify things toward the end. I pray, Lord, that you will give discernment over anything that I might say. Father, thank you for your spirit who makes these things known to us and enables us, helps us to live in accordance with your truth. Guide us today through your spirit and your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us.